This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Roman Roberts. Roman is a former foster child who joined the military as an interrogator, where he deployed multiple times and had the honor of working beside special operations teams. He left the military after eight years going into business and found a passion in helping people in their business. He has dealt with various transition issues and almost lost his marriage due to not dealing with issues from his past. It has made him an advocate for self-health, the foster care system, and for people's hustle to be bigger than their struggles. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm so pumped to be on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I mean, obviously we have, I'm a foster parent, so I see a lot of foster kids. So tell me kind of a, a little bit about your journey through that process and some of the stuff you've been through and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So foster care was funny for me. So I went up in the system. So I recently went back and spoke at the foster care that I grew up at and spoke to the children there. And then from that, um, my caseworker found some old files and I was able to reconnect with my sister. So really and truly my journey through foster care uh, was at first not really appreciating and understanding the love that people had, you know, house parents taking me in. While there were some bad families, there were a lot of good families. And then for the people who dedicate all those hours to, to go in and do that, to set up the house visits, to, to get you put in. Um, so really and truly, I went from not appreciating the system to understanding that while my experience wasn't perfect inside of the system, the system did a lot to help me. And it taught me to, to love myself and love others. And it really helped me understand um, that life's not really going to work out the way you want it to be. And it's not going to be perfect. Like when I was in foster care, I dreamed of my mom coming and taking me away and sweeping me off to a nice home. Um, that's not what happened. But what happened was I now got to a place where I'm speaking to children who are going through the same things that I am. I'm, you know, helping businesses. I, I got to deploy all over the world in the military. Like it, it really, uh, while that journey isn't what I would have expected or what I thought I, what the, what I thought the journey should be as a, as a little kid. Um, it really has turned out to be an amazing journey and it's had up and ups and downs, but, but that's life. So in terms of kind of the whole foster care process, did you ended up, did you end up with a family member or did you kind of age out or what was, you know, how did you go through it? So for me, I went in and I started uh, at an early age. My sister and I were both put into the system. She got picked up to into a family immediately um, and I didn't really get that option. I, I stayed in the system for a little while, bounced around from house to house, and then eventually a, a family took me in at around 10 years old. And so that family uh, was not exactly the greatest family, um, but they gave me a roof and it was, it was an experience. And so I took that and that basically uh, drove me to join the military to kind of get away from that environment and find family. Um, but I didn't really have much of a experience outside of the system until kind of my teenage years, really. 
and then kind of going into military is be was being an interrogator something you wanted to do or is it something you got kind of thrown into yeah so <laughs> the military was what i wanted to do and i knew it from an early age and i i loved helping people and um it was a great i in my mind as a foster kid a great way to see the world to go out to get this new life and uh, find family, you know, because everything you see is like brotherhood and camaraderie. And it really is that. And, and I learned that as I went through. Um, but interrogator was not what I what I picked first. Uh, but then they they said, hey, we'll we'll offer you a bonus. And as a kid who had never really seen any money being told that you were going to get free money just to sign a different paper. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll sign. And uh, so I became an interrogator. But the the realization as I started doing that was a lot of what I had gone through in foster care really made me able to excel in that space. Um, you know, I had trust issues and I, and I kind of saw like the subliminal things that people were doing and families as I would move into them. And so when you're talking across from somebody, seeing that body language, seeing the things that they're doing, the way that they're engaging in your conversation, um, it was all skills that I didn't know I even had. Uh, that ended up benefiting me as I moved into that career choice. So it really turned out to be kind of one of the better options for me. Okay. And obviously like some of the things you've seen in the military probably carried over in terms of kind of dealing with stuff. I was actually funny story was, was going to go to the Marine Corps as a officer uh, after college, I was going to go to uh, officer candidate school but um, I had an ulcer I didn't know was developing over years and it was like internally bleeding at that point. And it wasn't Whoa. caused by stress. It was caused by a bacteria called H. pylori. So the only way to get get out of it is go on like a antibiotic stack. And um, wow. I had that for years. So like right before doing like the pre-ship PFT, I couldn't do the three mile run or any of that because I started just coughing up blood. So. I mean, I don't know if it's a blessing in disguise, but I think if I went to Quantico for the training, I probably would have died. So, right. No, it honestly, it was it, the military is such this weird experience, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I love the military; I'm grateful for it. But it's so different, right? So for me, I came from no family, no structure, but I was beside people who where families were career military, right? So it's this really weird dynamic and then varying levels of fitness. And then some people who you think would be perfect for it, you know, as they go through, all of a sudden they develop, like you said, a, an ulcer that they didn't know about or something. And, and so you're like this, it, it's honestly kind of an equalizer in some ways because you go into it and you're all kind of on the same field of, you got to figure it out. <laughs> and that was just, it was crazy for me. And then in terms of transitioning out of the military, how was that kind of transition? And, you know, what did you kind of jump into? Man, the transition for me was rough. Um, so really and truly the problem with transition for me was a, the system at the time didn't really help people set up for transition. It kind of said, okay, thank you for your service. Here's the resources. Good luck. Right. And, and that's an oversimplification, but that's the overall. And for me, I had the traumas from being in foster care that I had never dealt with, the traumas from being in the home that adopted me that I never dealt with. Then I go and join the military in a career as an interrogator where the same um, lack of trust in people, seeing these different things, deploying multiple times, working with special operations, all these different pieces are there. And, and so I have literally all these things in my head that I've never dealt with 
I think med- at this point in my life, I think meditation is for, for sissies and losers. Uh, I think that reading and, and trying to find a spiritual connection, all of this is, is pointless. Like I've already lost my trust in God at this point, like all these crazy things. So I'm at like this, this kind of nothingness kind of phase and my identity was wrapped into the military. So then I get out of the military and I have no identity really. And so I'm trying to figure it out and trying to like, what is me? What is this? Right. What is my purpose? And so I start looking into it and then that's where everyone says, Hey, start meditating and this and that. And I'm still like, no, 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 no. And it gets to a place where the demons of my past, the shadows of my past, whatever you want to call them, uh, not dealing with them almost cost me my marriage. So I step out of my marriage. I feel like the walls are caving in on me as I buy a house, like on the outside in, everything looks so perfect to everyone. But inside, like I'm mentally, I'm just exhausted and I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand people. Um, and not in the sense that I don't understand what they're doing, in the sense that I just can't relate to them. I feel like I'm this weird little outside, like something they would see in a zoo, right? Because when you say, tell people you're an interrogator, their first question is, oh, so you like waterboard people, right? Like that's the first thing that comes to mind or, or something along that nature. And, and so... Like there, there's no real like getting to know the person behind it. Uh, and so it was just, it was weird for me and, and that was rough. And so that drove me down a path of, you know, am, am I okay losing my marriage? Am I okay being this closed off person? And I wasn't. So I started meditating. I actually went to counseling for the first time and started talking about what happened to me in foster care, what happened to me in the different homes that I went through, what happened to me in the military on multiple deployments. And the counselor that I spoke with basically said, Hey, like, this isn't just one thing. Like you, you let this stuff build up and this is it manifesting because it built up. And so once I understood that and started working through it, then I started journaling and you know, all these different things, uh, started getting closer to God, reading the Bible, reconnecting and, and just kind of finding that way and realizing that, uh, kind of, kind of that phrase that I say, your hustle has to be bigger than your struggle. And that hustle isn't just business, it's life, right? Like, what are you doing? How are you hustling in your regular life? And, and I just realized that I, I can make it through this. And so, you know, my wife, she saw the, saw the good person in me, even when I didn't, um, I had times where I was addicted to pain pills and, and all these different things. And so I got to work through all of that and come out in a place where I was healthier and stronger. And then it's kind of like putting your mask on before you put someone's else. Once I did that, I was able to jump into business and actually utilize the degrees that I had, the certifications in Lean Six Sigma, because I was because I was in a healthy place. I was able to help businesses get to a healthy place, and so that was just a powerful realization for me. And then it just made me that much more hungry for it. So I just kept trying to daily improve, like an incremental improvement every day. Yeah, and I think like all those things that happen to you are, are like kind of compound interest. If you don't go back and deal with it at the start and new things develop over time, you got to kind of peel back the layers and, and deal with all those things at different points of their life because they're influencing your life, you know, oftentimes negatively in one way or another now. So coming to terms with them, coping with them and learning how to deal with them make you obviously productive and able to give more to your relationships and kind of your professional endeavors, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that was the hardest part, right? Because so for anyone in the foster care system and, and you working with foster kids, you'll definitely understand this. Uh, it's really hard to have an identity as a foster kid. Like when I was in the foster care system, my identity was 
I'm, I'm Roman, this foster kid that maybe a family wants, maybe they don't. That's not a healthy identity, right? Like that, that ebbs and flows based on people's thoughts of you and what you think people think of you, right? So then I joined the military and now my identity is Roman Roberts, the soldier. And so now it's strictly based on, am I fulfilling my work? Am I, am I in a uniform? Am I serving my country, right? So then I lose that and, and what do I have, right? Like there, there is no Roman below that surface level. And so for me, I had to find the Roman behind that surface level. And it was someone who wanted to help people, uh, someone who made a ton of mistakes and wanted to get better and realizing that and someone who just takes it incrementally. And so now I say, you know, I'm Roman Roberts, a father, I'm Roman Roberts, a foster kid. I'm Roman Roberts, a former interrogator. I'm Roman Roberts, a former soldier. I'm Roman Roberts that work in business. Those are all parts of who I am. And every day I'm trying to be better. Right. And so once I realized that it became a lot easier to navigate, so to speak. Yeah. And I think like you said, uh, kind of about the foster care system, one, it's broken, you know what I mean? In terms of advocating for the kids, it's, it's, it's oftentimes impossible because there's so much red tape and people don't do anything that you want them to do in terms of getting them the services or counseling or things of that nature. People drag their feet. It's very frustrating. And it's also really frustrating because people, when you go to like a doctor's office, they treat foster kids like second rate kids kind of, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's really sad and really like we've often like yelled and, you know, talk sternly to doctors and nurses and other situations because like just simply because those kids are in a foster care system, kids that didn't control their circumstances and got thrown into things and experienced things that pretty much no kid should, they'll impact them for the rest of their life. And it's like people need some more like compassion and empathy for the situations that the kids are actually coming from. And that's, and that's what drove me to go back to the foster home that I grew up at, right? So I went back and I spoke to the foster kids because I remember being a foster kid and, you know, people would come up and speak but it wasn't always people who had been through the system. So it wasn't until after I got into the military that I realized that there was a guy, Anthony Trucks, who is all about you know finding your shift and finding your purpose and all of this. And he was a former foster kid, right? And I didn't know it. So there's like tons of successful foster kids that are doing great things or people who are you know raised foster kids and all these different pieces, like they exist, but those were never the people who came to speak at foster homes, right? And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to speak to him and I'm going to tell him what I wish I had known when I was a foster kid. And so, you know, I told him like, there are people that love you. Like, it may not seem like it. You may go through some crap, but there are people that love you and you have to love yourself and you have to see that love that they see for you. Like for a family to take in foster kids, they see value in you. Even if you don't see it in yourself, they see it. They're willing to put things on the line to have you there. And, and so and, and caseworkers driving across the country. I mean, my caseworker, she literally, she would drive me all night in the car, drop me off, then go back to, to another kid to go do the same thing, right? Like it was a revolving door for her. Like the system is very much so broken. Like, and, and I hope that, you know, you, me, all these different people who speak out and understand it can maybe say something about that and improve it. But until that improvement can come, I try to focus on the area where I can and hopefully kids in the system can understand that, Hey, this is someone who went through it and, and they'll be more receptive to listen. Because my thing was, I don't want to hear it from somebody who's got it good. I want it from somebody who understood 
what it was like for me when I was sitting in my room wishing that my mom would come get me, knowing that she never would because maybe she's a crack addict or maybe because, you know, she just didn't even want me, you know, whatever that reasoning is, like, where's the person who understands that? Because that, that was never the person that was, that was up there speaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, you don't want to hear from somebody that hasn't gone through that experience. So, you know, me and my wife have had, you know, five miscarriages before we became foster parents. We're still naturally trying but it's one of those things where people, I'm sorry, yeah, that's that's fine. But until somebody comes and like, you know, I know what you're feeling. We, we had two of our own and these are the feelings you've dealt with. They don't know everything that's kind of behind that or even like professionally people, you know, read or listen to a course and now they're a guru or expert. Well, like you haven't been in the trenches. So if you can't speak from that experience, you're not truly speaking to me about it. Exactly. So what motivates you to succeed? So honestly, uh, it's my son now, my, my son and my family, that's what motivates me. So growing up, I didn't have a family, right? Like I said, growing up in foster care and now I have that and I have the opportunity to make my name a legacy and make my son, you know, someone who goes out and changes the world and makes the world a better place. And that starts in my home. And I, I said this on another podcast the other day that, you know, I'm, I'm working to try to get the world's greatest grandpa mug. Like I have the world's greatest dad right now, but I want to be the world's greatest grandpa. And, and that's kind of the thing. And that's what drives me and makes me go at it every day is I didn't have that when I was little. I didn't have someone like that. So hopefully I can be that for my son. And then down the road, hopefully I can be that for my grandkids. And, and that can just continue and continue and continue. And that's, that's my driver. Yeah. And I think kind of those motivations obviously change over the time that you are and what part or stage of your life you're at. So like if you were in the military, maybe that was, you know, being the best you can be at that moment or things of that nature. And now that you have a family or other responsibilities and people you care for, that's obviously impacted by that. So it's, you know, what part of your life and that can obviously change and get added to, but, you know, it's defined what's around you and what's important around you. Right. And I think for me that family... Like since I never had family and family was always something that went away. Now family is something in my opinion that cannot go away. Like my intent is to build a family that will last a name that will carry on and continue generation after generation. And so when I look at it from that perspective, I'm not just motivated to do it for today. I'm motivated for the next Roman, you know, that, that comes along um, two, three generations down the road. And that's, that's, that's my driver. And that's what, that's what kind of pushes me. And then it, it just feeds back into my passion, you know, helping people. And so if I'm helping people, I'm setting a good example for my family. I'm building that good. Um, because I think the world would be a lot better if everybody just tried to help somebody. Right. Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? You know, um, along that theme, and I thought about this a lot, right? Like, what what would that be? Um, but I, I think in theme of what we're kind of talking about, and it's, and it's really true, is that it's foster care. I used to see foster care as a weakness. Like, I never wanted to tell people that I was the foster kid with the hand-me-down clothes or, you know, no family. Like, everyone would be like, oh, I'm bringing my dad to career day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. I don't have a dad, you know? Um, so it was a weakness to me and I felt that it was a weakness and, and people look at you differently when you are a foster kid, like say, say what you want. Like we all have biases and that, that, that was the bias. I was a foster kid. And, and so 
it, it made me think less of myself. It obviously led to the issues down the road that almost led to me destroying my family and all these different things. So for me, it was a weakness. And then when I realized that it was just a stage of my life and there were good things and bad things that came out of it, uh, it then became a strength. It became something that I could use to, to fuel me when you know, I was feeling down. It was something that I could use to, to motivate me to, to help children like me. It was something that I could use to, to push myself to the next level and appreciate the family I have now because I didn't have that when I was little. So it, once I looked at it, not as what, what everyone else saw it as, but what I actually got from the experience, then it became a strength and a tool for me. Yeah. And it's kind of what you make out of that situation. So it's like a fire. You can let it like overtake you and burn you up, or you can use that as fuel to, you know, move you forward. So it's how you look at it. And obviously the negative things and the traumatic things in life, you can use them to define you and shut you down or use it as a learning experience, take something from it, share with others and kind of use it for the next thing that may be even more challenging in your life. And I love that analogy that you used right there, the fire, right? So because it, it's a fire, foster care is still a fire and it's something that I have to deal with all the time. And if I don't keep it in check, it will burn out of control, right? So it's not just like, oh, I got it in control six months ago and now I'm good, right? Like triggers can still come up. I mean, there were people, until I found pictures of me as a child, there were people who used to say, oh man, like your son probably looks just like you did as a kid. Well, all of a sudden that, that raises that fire that, that elevates it because all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, yeah, I don't have any pictures of me as a kid. Oh man, my mother didn't love me. Oh man. Like, like I can go down that negative pattern. So that, that fire analogy is just so powerful because it's, it's about keeping it in check and realizing that fire can be good. Like you said, right. It can be light. It can be warm, but if you let it go too big, if you don't constantly keep an eye on it and that, goes back to that self-health, that that meditation, that journaling, all those different things. If you're not in that good space, that fire is just going to take over. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? Yeah. So the personal piece of advice, and I, and I said it to foster kids, and I think uh, it just, it applies to life, personal and professional, I think really love yourself and love others. If you're doing everything out of a position of love, whether it's inside of your business or inside of your personal life, if you're operating in that premise of, of loving yourself and loving others, so you're, you're making those decisions based on your own self-health and on the health and well-being of others, you're making good decisions. You're making sound decisions and you're helping people because there's no one who ever said like, oh man, that person loved me and that did nothing for me, right? Like that, that's not a phrase that people say. So if you can love yourself and you can love others, you, you really can change the world. And no matter what the struggle is, you can get through it, right? Your hustle can always be bigger than your struggle because it's fueled by love. It's fueled by that powerful energy. And I think back to Monsters, Inc. that I watched with my son, you know, when they used fear, they got some energy, but when they used laughter, like it was off the charts. Well, it's the same way with love. If, if you're powering everything with the energy of love, man, that, that, that's that's true power right there. Yeah, and like you said, it's where you're coming from. I mean, even kind of in business, if you take that kind of empathy approach and there's enough for everybody and kind of not be the tallest building and knock everybody down, but have that kind of legacy mindset and give back and, you know, there's enough for everybody mindset, you get a lot. I, I think you get a lot further and I think people oftentimes have mindset shifts throughout periods of their life. Obviously some people stay and I mean, it's 
up to them. But if you do want to grow, you, you're constantly changing and adapting. And in my 20s, I guess it was kind of chasing titles and, you know, monetary and material things. But then when I switched over to kind of a legacy giving back and adding as much value as possible, that reward exponentially increased than if I had the other mindset. And it wasn't even like I was looking for anything in return. I was just being genuine about it. And then at times I didn't even expect it. You know, projects came up, relationships developed, opportunities arose that in that other mindset would have never happened. Yeah, no, exactly. And that that that's the thing. I think people try to separate business and personal. And while there is a separation, like I'm not going to argue that that there shouldn't be. Uh, th- there's still a little bit of a connection there. And I think when you find those connecting pieces and you integrate them in, you create a stronger business because it- it's like roots in a tree or like building a building, right? Like all those pieces come together and it makes it stronger. And in my opinion, if, if love is the strength behind it, right? Like healthy homes are built on love. Healthy relationships are built on love. Healthy businesses under that premise should be built on love too, right? And it's, if you love your customer, you're not going to try to sell them a crappy product. You're, you're going to listen to them when they have a problem. If you love your business, you're going to put the time and effort and work into it. You're going to make sure your employees are happy, right? So, so it really, it really does kind of, it's the glue that kind of holds it all together in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah. So, uh, I appreciate being on and the biggest place that I can be found at is, uh, LinkedIn is where I'm the most active and, but I do have all the other social media pages, uh, at real talk with Roman. If you look it up, you'll find me on pretty much all of them. I do a 10 minute interview podcast series, uh, on YouTube at real talk with Roman, right? So it's pretty straightforward. You can find me as a guy doing real talk. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.